having our men's retreat. And uh, next week, we will be beginning the registration of that. All the information will be given to you uh, in uh, everything from cost to where. Uh, and we will have golf tournament. There will be time where if someone wants to, you can go hiking. Uh, the swimming pool is probably one and a half times the size of the sanctuary. So you'll have a great time, guys. We're going to have some great uh, teaching and fellowship and worship, all the above on that weekend. So uh, just connect in your head, go home, get to your calendar, mark that off and say, I'm going to make it a point to uh, be there. So amen. Can we stand one more time? I just know God has a word for you today. What a privilege it is to stand before all of you and to teach the Word of God. I count this a privilege and an honor. I spend hours praying, seeking God, and desiring for the words that I say would impact your life so that it would impact your families and everything. But I just want to say thank you for being here. Thank you for being who you are. And as we continue to gather together, as we continue in, in our growing now, as we continue in uh, reaching out our four walls, the marketplace, all the things that we are doing, as you continue to serve not only in the church but in the marketplace, I just want to say to you, well done. I am so proud of the people of this church uh, from the funerals that we had and the way that you've served the way that you've graciously given of yourself, uh, supporting people. What a, what a blessing. What a blessing. I want to pray for you. Father, thank you for the anointing of the Spirit of God. Thank you for the importance of every individual in here. Those that have received Jesus Christ, they can call themselves sons and daughters of God. Those that are here seeking someone seeking God. Lord, I pray that everything that we do from our worship to our teaching would allow those that are here that don't know Christ to see Christ today. That they would understand that God loves them and has a perfect plan for them. That they cannot mess up the plan because God can restore that. And as we dive into the Word of God today, I thank you that the Word would just absolutely transform our thinking in the concept of who you are. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen. amen. Just give someone a high five before you're seated. God bless you. Our last series that we did literally described to us the body of Christ, who you are, who you can be, the future call of your life, the reality that God has not only brought salvation to you, but he's brought healing to you. And this healing is not only physical, it is in every aspect of your life, 
and everybody that you touch. The importance that you are to the kingdom of God. The importance that you are, the call of God that is upon your individual life, and collectively we come together. But 10% of you serve in the church, 90% of you serve in your ministry outside the church. And so my desire was to teach you and to equip you into the understanding fully of knowing who you are, that you can face the challenges of life. You can go out of these four walls, and when things don't happen the way that you desire them to happen, that you know who you are, and you can stand in the midst of a storm. We're going to talk about in the midst of a storm today. But then we started this series, and, and we're in the series of the body of Christ now discovering God who God really is. And we found that if you follow Christ, if you see what Christ did on this earth, how he responded, how he acted, what he said, because everything that Christ is, everything that he says, everything he does comes from Father God, comes from God. Jesus is God on this earth, and he shows us by who he was on this earth, really who God is. And so now, the battle that we are facing in our world today is finding the correct identity of who God is, having a correct concept of God, because we've understood that everything that you do, everything that you say, because you are created in the image and the likeness of God, everything you do, everything that you say, everything that you accomplish is because God created you, and if you understand God, you have a correct concept of God, then you will make correct decisions, you will do the correct things, and you will accomplish and fulfill the calling of God in your life. There is no demon in hell or person or boss or anybody, relative, that can stop the call of God and what God has for you. But see, the enemy comes in and he tries to bring deception in your life, that you have a wrong concept of God, and because of that, when things happen, when storms arise, then you say or you think wrongly of how God's going to respond to your situation. You see, God has prepared you to do great things. So in this reality, we must know how Jesus responds to everyday people, what he does, what he says. And so remember, Jesus asked, whom do people say that I am? And they named a few people, and then Peter said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus says, on that confession, on that truth, on that right concept of who I am and who the Father is, I will build my church. So how the church is built, how the church succeeds is having the right concept of God. And so this is the ongoing thing that we're doing. This will probably be my longest series that I will ever do. Normally I do between four to six weeks and once in a while seven or eight, but this is going to be a long series because there is so much information that Jesus gives us when he has times with people on this earth. 
So Peter said, you are the Christ, the anointed one. So turn to Mark chapter 4, and today we're going to see when the disciples went through a storm, what can we learn from how Jesus responds, and what can we learn what the disciples found out about God. In Mark chapter 4, verse 35, it says, On the same day when evening had come, he said to them, Let us cross over to the other side, plan of God. Now when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was. And other little boats were also with him. How many of you realize there were other boats with him? And as he said, as he was, it's while he was teaching, he said, guys, let's get in a boat now and let's go to the other side. The purpose plan of God, Jesus on this earth, they were to go to the other side. That was the plan of God. Verse 37, and a great windstorm arose and the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling. But he was in the stern asleep on a pillow. And they awoke him and said to him, teacher, do you not care that we are dying? Notice a picture of peace, Jesus sleeping on a pillow. But notice also, do you not care? Accusation. Verse 39. Then he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, peace be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. But he said to them, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? See, because Jesus was just teaching the word of God. What does the word of God do? The word of God builds faith. Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said to one another, who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? So what can we learn from the disciples in this encounter with Jesus who was God? First thing we learn is this encounter teaches us the predictability of storms. What do I mean by this? <laughs> if you live on planet Earth, you're going to have storms. Storms are coming, church. I can't tell you where or when, but I can tell you they're coming. Storms are not, just not physical either, but they also can be spiritual storms. There are times that you in your life will face storms of just being in this world because Jesus said, in this world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. But we must understand in a Christian walk, you are going to face storms, and some of the storms are maybe by wrong choices, wrong concept of God. Some of the storms are, are because there are other people that you are close to have storms, and then you dive into the storm with them because there were other boats with the disciples. They followed them. So the storm they were in, these other boats, got in their storm. Then we find out that, that in storms, that they not only can be because of the choices and we're living in this world, it could be because the enemy is seeing the things that you are doing and wanting to stop it, and he brings a storm around you. And he creates something that causes you to have to 
make a decision and do things based upon the concept of who you think God is in the midst of your storm. So let's read Matthew chapter 7, and let's see another little illustration of what God says to us about this. We're talking about the predictability of storms. Every one of us will have storms. Therefore, Matthew 7, 24, Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken them to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who builds his house on the sand. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and that house fell, and great was the destruction, or great was the fall. Now, how many of you have read that passage of Scripture before? I don't like this Scripture. You know, because this is what I wish Jesus said. If you hear my words and do them, the storm will go around you. I wish Jesus said, you won't have to go through storms, though. So let me sum up Matthew chapter 7. Let me just show you um, what I wrote here, and and this is going to sum up. If you are here today... And an unbeliever, you will go through storms. If you are here today, how many of you here today? All of you? Okay. Just just checking. If you're here today and you're a believer, you will go through storms. But here's the difference. The difference is, if you believe God and do his word, your house stands. Your family stands. Your company stands. Your children stand. The question is, what is your house? It's your family, your relationships, your personal walk with God, the call of God on your life. We're going to find in a moment that that storms have purposes. Matthew 7 says, if if you build on the rock, his word and its principles, if you build on the confession of the word, when you give voice to the word, Jesus tells us, the storm is still coming. It will come. Everyone say, praise the Lord. Not praise the Lord. The storm comes for the foolish man, the wise man, and its rains on the just and the unjust. It comes for the foolish man and the wise man, and it rains on the just and the just. Let me say it this way. Storms are going to come even when Jesus is in your boat. But our concept of storms 
and how God sees storms many times are skewed. And because it's skewed when we face storms, what do we do? What the disciples did. We walk in fear. We confess fear. We say it's not going to work. I don't know how God can fix this. You know, I would love the Bible to say this. If Jesus is in your boat, it will be smooth sailing the rest of your life. That's not true. Again, in this world, you will have tribulation. The difference is, if Jesus is in your boat, you will make it through to the other side. You will attain your goal. You will fulfill your call. So there is a predictability that storms will come. So if we're running around, you know, I'm a faith guy. And there are certain things that come at me. I know they're not storms. They're attacks of something God said is not mine. And I could just rebuke it in Jesus' name and say, that's not mine. But there are times in my life that there are going to be storms. There are going to be things, whether it's, whether it's physical, whether it's emotional, whether it is spiritual attack on me. We learned that last week in the encounter with Jesus. But when we get to a place of understanding God's heart in the midst of the storm, remember, Jesus said, guys, let's go to the other side. Hmm. The second thing we learn about going through storms is the potential of storms. Remember the storm called Katrina? You know that storm displaced one million people? One million people were displaced by that storm. The potential of storms can be devastating. And there are times, even in our walk, there are things that devastate us. But if there's an understanding of who God is in the midst of the storm, we then will begin to see things correctly, and in the midst of the storm, we'll go through the storm, and we'll get to the other side. I want you to take this as a real encouragement to you, because at the beginning, as, as I was writing this, I was saying, Lord, this, this sounds like I'm just telling everybody It'll never work. It's going to fall apart. No, I'm not saying that to you. What I'm saying to you is that if you really understand who God is in the midst of these storms, nothing surprises him. And there is great purpose. There is great purpose that God has in you to go through the storm. And there's there's something that we need to understand, God, in the midst of that storm. But again, the potential of them, what is the character of a storm? Storms are bigger than we are. They're bigger than you. I don't, you know, I, I just, I want us to really settle that We can be huge in faith. But when storms come and attack your family, sometimes it's bigger than you could ever dream of. 
Storms are stronger than we are. Storms have the potential to reveal your weaknesses. Have you ever said something like this? I don't know why I said what I said. I don't know why I did what I did. Because you were in the midst of the storm and you responded to it not understanding God in the midst of your storm. Because you began to describe your storm as something that was not. See, to God, nothing is too big. But to you, at times, it looks too big. And we have to see the potential of storms. You know, people say, well, I've been through a lot of hurricanes. I'm going to stay here now. I'm just going to put a couple pieces aboard. Katrina came in and wiped them out. Many people died because they didn't walk in wisdom. They, they built their faith, their belief with foolishness and not wisdom. Wonderful, good people. Probably some of them were praying on their knees. But they, they have a potential to, to reveal weaknesses. So notice earlier I, I talked about, we're going to get there, but notice earlier I talked about how, how that storms have purposes and God doesn't bring evil to us. So how do, how, how do we figure that it has a purpose? Well, it will reveal your weaknesses. It can reveal deception that we have believed. It can reveal areas that, that, that the way our words come out of our mouths in the midst of the storm and the things that we say about the situation, it can reveal that we really don't have a correct concept of God and how big our God is and how wonderful and loving and caring our God is and that he knows exactly what you're going through. But I know that every one of us, we've gone through many storms in our lives. Sometimes we've gone through it like Superman. And sometimes we limp through it. And we got to the end and we're still facing the hurt and the scars of what took place during that storm. Watch this. Sometimes because we didn't understand God, sometimes we even blame God. And anger issues begin to rise up. And they always talk about anger issues with people. But you know, there are people that have anger issues with God. The scars, and it hurts. The potential of storms, what it can do. This is so important. But a storm has potential to reveal to you your need for God. that you finally realize that you need to stop and see God. To stop and see the salvation of the Lord. To stop and see the heart of God. That everybody around you might be chewing you up, but God is your cheerleader, and he's saying there, trust me, look towards me, I'm there for you, but you need to need me. If we allow the potential of a storm to show us a need for divine help, it will let us see God's character. Because when we fully trust in God, we open the doors for God to move in that situation. 
And I'm going to say something that, that it doesn't say this in Scripture, but it tells, us, it tells us in Scripture how amazing and gracious and kind and tender-hearted our God is, and that we are to be like that because we're created, the body of Christ, in the image and likeness of God. But we have to understand that God is so gracious to us in these times. And we can find, on Wednesday night I was talking about the secret place, and we can find that secret place in the midst of a storm. We can find that calmness in the midst of a storm. And I'm going to talk about that a little bit. But this is the only time in the Bible we are told that Jesus is sleeping. Jesus did sleep and rest on this earth to show us the example of trust in Father God. Some of you are going morning, noon, and night trying to fix your storm. When God says, I want you to lay your head down on a pillow and I want you to rest. I want you to trust in me. I want you to get into that secret place. I want you to get into that place where you could just rest and hear me and not hear all the voices of the storm, the wind, the waves, what you see, what you feel, what you hear. But Jesus was sleeping in the middle of a storm. Now, we must understand this was a huge storm because experienced fishermen thought they were going to die. We're not talking about, come on, let's get, to the, get in a boat and let's go to the other side. We're not talking about guys saying, I've never been in a boat. I've never been on the water. No, they've been, they, they lived on the water, many of them. So let me give you a thought about this storm, what they experienced. See, waking Jesus up from his sleep was not their problem. The problem was waiting until they were scared and frantic or how long they waited to trust in God. How many times do we get to, to the end of our ability and then we trust God? When we need to trust God first, That's waiting on the Lord. When you get in the Word of God, you find the answer in the Word of God. You proclaim the Word of God. You voice the Word of God. That's waiting on the Lord. A lot of people think waiting on the Lord is just, just hang out. Wait till God does something. Well, I want to tell you, God has empowered you because you're the body of Christ. He's given you authority. He's given you power to walk in the midst of these storms. And what he's going to do is he's going to give you insight in what to do. He's going to give you insight in what to say in the midst of your storm. That's waiting on the Lord. Again, waiting on the Lord is not getting in the, in the chair of the corner of your bedroom and being depressed and being upset and being angry and, and thinking it's everybody else's fault. And, but God is saying, no, I want you to understand, 
I know everything that's going to happen in this world. I've given you authority, and I'm going to help you through it. Jesus never rebukes them for waking him up. But watch this. Jesus did not rebuke them for disturbing him with their prayers. Have you been in some hard times you really began to pray more earnestly? Okay? He doesn't rebuke us for praying to him. Jesus rebuked them for disturbing themselves with their fears. See, what we learn here from this encounter, what Jesus is doing, he is not, you know, you guys are so faithless. You guys are just ding-dong. You, I just, how long do I have to be with you? We've already covered that statement. That's not a bad statement. But the reality is, what he's saying is this. Guys, we've just been teaching the Word of God. And if you read what he was teaching before that, powerful. He says, but what you're doing is bringing destruction to yourselves because you're living still in fear. By your words, by your actions, you're, you are living with fear. Think about what he said. This is the way a lot of people think and or is their concept of God. God, you don't care. Man, I've done all this. I've served you in the church. I've worked. I've been faithful to my wife. I've been, you don't care. Look what's going on. And you know what? Some of the storms have such a destructive power, and we have to recognize that. By the way, by the way, Jesus, we, we want you to know we are dying and, we, and you don't care. That's basically what they said. They actually said, you know, things are really tough now, and you don't really care. So, I'm just going to die. Just give up on that part. My family's going to fall apart. That's what's going to happen. I'll just have to pick up the, the pieces. That's not God's heart. That's not who God is. Doesn't this relate to all of us? Haven't we all faced stuff? And we sit there and we just bark fear. And we just talk and talk and talk and talk and talk. Nothing about the word, but we just talk about what's wrong, who did this, who did that, what they said, what they didn't say, what they did, what they didn't do. It'll never work. So the question then is this. Why does God take fear so personally? Why does he? Well, let me show you. Fear is the greatest insult a believer can give God. It's the greatest insult we can give to God. Fear is an indictment against God's character. Fear is saying, I know who you are. You've asked me to do all this. You've asked me to sacrifice. You asked me to give. You asked me to tithe. You asked me to love someone that's unlovable, and I've done it all. And look at what you do. 
You just let everything fall apart. You don't care. That's not God. That's an enemy that's bringing tribulation that is wanting to deceive us so that we'll have a wrong concept of God. When we're in the midst of the storm, we won't say or do the right thing in the midst of it. Wow. Do you know the phrase God says to man more than any other? Fear not. Fear is the number one enemy that comes against us. Fear says this, this situation is greater than your God. I want to tell you whatever you're facing, I understand you hurt. I understand the pain of attacks of the enemy. I understand the pain of tribulation. Been there, done that. But what we do, fear says to us, is that the situation is greater than your God. That he can't fix this. So we run to get it fixed. And we wear ourselves out. And we, you know, some people, not all, but some people are popping pills to make them feel better. Headaches and arthritis and all the different things because, and and let me tell you, arthritis is not because of just fear. So don't tell If you have arthritis, don't come to me and say, I don't live in fear. Just understand what I'm saying. Is that people will have sickness and disease because of fear in their life and having a wrong concept of God. By the way, when the disciples woke Jesus up, they didn't ask him to do anything about the storm, but accused him falsely. Do you recognize that? Wake up, dude, we're going to die. What's your problem? You don't care. <laughs> I mean, really, if you really look at this, we're, we're seeing this. Can you imagine Jesus, you know, <laughs> wanting to say, just jump in the water and drown, you know? <laughs> but they accused him. They didn't even ask him, hey, Jesus, Excuse me, um, water's coming in the boat. We don't know, though. The Bible didn't say that. But I would figure if it was that bad. They didn't, they didn't pray. They didn't say, Lord, can you help us? They said, Jesus, wake up, you lazy bum. You don't care about us. You're not doing anything. That's what Satan does to you. That's not God. That's what Satan does. That's what he says. He says, God doesn't care about you. Well, that pastor's up there telling you you're the body of Christ and you're something special. You're a son or daughter of God. You don't even listen to that stuff. That stuff is meaningless. Because look what you've gone through. Look what happened when you were a child. Look what happened. Look at what's going on in your leg. Look what you feel in your hands. You've had five surgeries in 40 years. Where's God? Well, he created doctors that did that surgery. Laughter doeth good like medicine. And the reality is, is that in that, that process of time, what was our concept of God? Was he our healer? 
always, was he the big man upstairs? Was there an honor? Was there a grace towards God? Was there a love towards the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit? So let's be candid. Not like I've already been. But let's be candid. They didn't say, Jesus, wake up. You opened the blind eyes. You raised the dead. You could do anything, Jesus, so you can take care of this problem. No, they out of fear said, we're going to die. In the storm, they crossed over to believing the lie of the enemy. They've been with Jesus. Their faith is growing. They have faith. See, that's a lot of times when people read stories here, they say, oh, they didn't have any faith. They have faith. But in an area of their life, they're living in fear. But Jesus rebukes the storm. The Bible says, and there was a great calm. And I've said this one time before in these 13 years. I said this. Is it possible the storm was still raging around them? (laughs) We don't know. The sea was calm. But is it possible the the storm was still able to be seen? Is it possible that Jesus literally made a path to the other side? He spread the Red Sea. The Bible doesn't tell us this, but see, what we picture here is that everything just stopped and the wind was gone, everything was gone. I want to say to you, in most of your storms, when you are living your life and you're believing God and you're saying, nevertheless, whatever goes on, I'm going to trust my God. I proclaim in Jesus Christ, he's still my healer. He is still my God. In him, I will trust. I will do everything God has asked me to do. And you walk in it and you're doing it. You're professing correctly. You may still see a storm. But in you, you're calm. Because faith has risen. Who? That's good stuff. But in you, you're calm. That's the God that we serve because we have to realize that it is possible the storm is still there. But in you, you're living in peace. How do you do that? By knowing who your God is, knowing who you are, and letting your words be words of faith, letting your words be words of of Scripture, what Jesus said. So wouldn't it be great to every storm that you face from now on to live in peace in the midst of the storms? Have the the right concept of God, and you can. Every one of you, do you not understand the ability you have to move in the realm of peace in the midst of the greatest storm you'll ever face. You know, personally, I, you know, I can look at last year. Well, I'm glad last year's over. No, I'm not. Last year was an amazing year. 
But I lost my stepfather. I lost my mom. We lost an aunt, Terry's aunt. And we lost a great friend who was like a father image to me all that last year. And then as Pastor Dan prayed, you know, praying about my brother, it, it is dire right now. We need a miracle. And we have to understand that in the midst of a storm, I could just be standing here and say, you know what? The heck with it, man. I've done all this stuff and look at, you know, I'm going to be the last one of my immediate family. And start talking negative about, you know, it's going to give up, gonna, it's whatever. Whatever happens, God, I'm going to serve you. That's not faith. That's just giving up. I never give up with any of you. No matter what you faced, I've done many funerals. I don't give up till the last breath. And then, once in a while, I say, Lord, you want me to go raise the dead? Be led of the Holy Spirit? Because it's appointed unto man once to die. But maybe that was too early. And maybe God wants to use a faith guy to go and raise him up. Didn't Jesus do that? Amen. <laughs> Let's say this again. We want God to calm the storm, but maybe God wants to calm us first. Are we getting anything from the disciples' encounter? Yeah, we are, aren't we? Here's the third thing we learned from this encounter. There is a purpose of the storm. Remember what I said a few times earlier. Jesus has ministered all day, and now it's evening, and Jesus said, let's go to the other side. Have you ever asked this question? Why didn't Jesus say, guys, a storm is coming. Get out of the boat, and let's wait. Let's wait till it, what's the term? Blows over. And sometimes people get so enraptured into their storm that they do nothing until it blows over. How many of you understand, especially if that is a spiritual storm that the enemy recognizes, oh, good. So they'll go past the storm, they'll rise up and say, Thank you, God, for delivering me. And then, boom, he'll get you again. Why is that? Because we didn't see who God was in the midst, is in the midst of our storm. We didn't begin to move. Waiting is not sitting in the corner again. But we see purposes. God, what are you saying to me? Well, you know, God's put this sickness on me because he wants me to learn something. God does not put evil on anyone. And you've got to get that in your craw because your craw will kill you. Hello, church. Amen. And we have to get to the place of our life because Scripture tells us that. He doesn't bring evil on us. 
but there is a purpose. So why didn't Jesus say, you know, storm's coming, let's just wait. What are you doing? It's a rough time in my life. I'm just, I better just stay home from church. I better, I better not go to work today. I better, no, I'm going to stay home. It's been rough. I'm going to stay home. No, that's not waiting. That's moving into depression. Jesus knew a storm was there, but Jesus wanted to deal with their fear. All of us have been through storms. Some of you today are going through one of your greatest storms you've ever faced. And can I say this? Don't get defensive or offended on this. I know how you feel. I've been there. No, you don't know how I feel. I know how you feel. You see how the enemy even gets you mad at people that can help you? You know what the elder told me today? He told me I need to go home and read the Word. He doesn't even know what I'm going to do. He doesn't even care. Tell me to get in the Word of God. <laughs> you know people like that? Yeah, okay. We need to ask our wonderful Savior and healer, if you, in my walk and journey with you, are leading me into a storm, did you hear what I just said? If you are leading me into a storm, the goal through the storm, what purpose does that have? Amen. If he is leading you through a storm, what purpose does it have? The purpose with the disciples was to remove fear. Amen. What is the purpose of a storm in your life? What do we need to learn who God is and who we are in the midst of it? What do we need to learn? What, what things am I doing and what things am I saying that is out of line, that doesn't understand who God is? Some of it is just a tweak where it says, God, right now I feel what I feel. I hurt the way I hurt. But God, I'm going to just spend some time with you every day and I'm going to find out what you want me to learn and I'm going to take care of this and I'm going to wait on you. But in waiting on you, I'm going to take action in faith. And I'm going to do the work of the ministry. Because in most cases, the way we talk about what we are experiencing has a basis of fear. God has bigger things for you to do. But you can't do them until he deals with this type of fear. Some of you say, well, you know, at work I had this job offer and I just, I didn't take it because I just, I didn't think it was the Lord's will. No, well, maybe it was because you were afraid. You've never done something like that. And you maybe were thinking, you know, I, I can't do that. I've never done that before. And I'm saying to you, hallelujah, God gives you favor. And when you pray and ask the Lord, am I supposed to do this? 
And watch this, and you don't hear anything from him, and you spend a little time getting in the word and praying and listening, and then you don't hear anything. You know what I found out through life? There's a lot of times God says, son, you know, you got this. Amen. Go for it. So if I don't hear a negative or I don't hear no or I don't hear, you know, wait a little bit longer or whatever, man, I'm going for it. I'm going for it. I've done that through the years. I've, I've done things, made decisions and, and, you know, and sometimes I've made decisions. My wife followed me and, you know, she's got greater faith than I do. But the point, the point is greater faith than I do because she sometimes has to follow me. But, you know, making decisions and not knowing what the next decision was. But I knew I was being led of God. And fear wanted to climb all over me. But I said, I'm not going to have that. I know my God leads me and guides me. And I know that I hear the voice of God. And the only thing I'm listening to is a no. And if I hear, if I hear no, then I don't do it. But if I don't hear no, after a time frame with God, knowing God, I go for it. So here's the conclusion. And then we're going to pray. Is it possible your storm, God will use to deal with your fear to set you free from fear so nothing can stop you? Let me say it another, another way. Matter of fact, let's all stand. Is there a possibility, God said, I got a purpose for you, and I want you to go this direction, but he knew in the middle of you going there, you're going to face a big storm. But in the middle of that storm, what he wanted to do is to show you, hey, I'm asleep on a pillow. Now, God never slumbers nor sleeps. Jesus on this earth, he slept, he rested. This is God. I could go to sleep on that. That's nothing to me. So in the midst of your storm, what do you need to learn from it? Is it fear? Is it lack of faith? Is it hurt from the past? Is it words that maybe someone that's supposed to love you said to you in a negative way all while you're growing up? Saying that you are no good, you're going to grow up and be nothing. And you still hear those words in your, in your brain. Church family. You're in that storm. Jesus is with you. But you must know what you're to learn in the midst of your storm. Because watch this. In Christ, you will get to the other side.
I have called you. I have anointed you, he says. I have given you vision. I've given you direction. I've given you giftings. I've given you many things to accomplish what I've called you to do. Don't allow storms to change your direction. Go through your storms with great joy. Amen. Praise the Lord. I want to pray for you, but first of all, I want to pray for South Elmani, uh, our, our mayor, and uh, right there. Okay. <laughs> uh, you have the state of the city this Thursday, and that's at 12 o'clock. 11.30, thank you. 11.30, and for all of you from South Elmani, uh, she didn't ask me to say this. I just, I just love who you are out. You are outside the four walls, what you accomplish. So, Mrs. Mayor, we believe in you. We're praying for you. And thank you for what you're doing for South Elmani. Things are going great. Let's pray. Father, thank you for all that you're doing. Thank you for anointing each individual here, called of God, a minister for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Father, if there's anyone here that is still checking you out, in Jesus' name, reveal yourself to them so they could, as we have done, all of us who are saved, believe in our heart and confess with our mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. Thank you, Lord, for helping us understand the storm understanding in a greater way who you are in the midst of all the storms we face. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen. God bless you. Have a great day.